For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Gentlemen, you are now entering the Second Big Comics Podcast, starring Mark Clare and Renzo Martini. Gone. I'm tempted to just start the episode with a gone. Would that be? Would that be? Would that be? I think that. I think that's think? sufficient. All right, the gong is the cold open for today's episode because there is a little bit of a, a ninja twist, I guess you could say. Today we're going to be going a little a little cowabunga. We're going to be going to the way back, to the way back of the mid-1980s when a little, very little, in fact, not so little, unknown book was published by a couple gentlemen named Eastman and Laird, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird to be more accurate. It is the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but of course... I'm not just going to read this book by myself, talk about it by myself, do a podcast by myself. That would be depressing for everybody. No, instead, I'm going to welcome in my partner in comic book crime. If the crime is being passionate about comics, a crime of passion. Anyway, he is my partner here. The old rambling man himself, Remzo Martinez. What's happening, brother? Mark, there's a lot more violence in this book and a lot less pizza than my TMNT (laughs) 90s cartoon brain could handle. Much less pizza. So uh, before we get into today's book, I want to remind everybody about all the wonderful things they should be doing with and and including this podcast that begins with, well, go to our website. We don't talk about our website enough. We do have a website. All of our episodes are posted over there, including the uh, the occasional article. We've had our boy Forrest uh, write a few articles recently, so you get a few extra snippets when you head over to secondprintcomics.com. Also, we encourage you to follow us anywhere and everywhere except for in our personal lives, because that would be odd and creepy and weird. A little weird. A little bit weird. It has happened. Uh, we don't need to talk about it, but uh, please do follow us on the social medias, on Twitter, at secondprintpod, on Instagram, at secondprintpod, and if you don't like money... If you like giving your money away, and if you like giving your money away to your favorite podcasters, you can do that over at patreon.com slash secondprintpod, where uh, we don't just take your money and run. We take your money and give you all sorts of bonus content, early access to every single episode, including both the main episodes here on Wednesdays, as well as the SBC newsrooms every single Friday, and all sorts of bonus content, including, well, I do a show called What Mark Missed. It's about to return with my look at The Ultimates. And I know Remzo is probably very excited about that. What else can they find over uh, in the bonus content there on the Patreon? Coming this August, you're going to go ahead and get a whole season of Remso versus the DCEU. If you went ahead and checked out Remso versus the MCU Phase 1, I recently did Phase 2 over the summer, where I talk about the things that I would do if I could go ahead and reach inside of Thanos's glove, or in most cases, Kevin Feige's brain, and go back in time and actually make some changes to these films. Some of the changes you all loved. Some of them you said I was crazy for even implying. But if you like Liked what I did with the MCU phases one through two. You're going to like what I'm doing with the DCEU. Uh, apart from that, I, you know, a little behind the scenes magic here. My, I'm enlisting my wife to go ahead and help me. Uh, do a little bit of SPC chores tonight. You see, after recording, what we go ahead and do every couple of months. We don't is need we to know what you guys do in the privacy of your home well, after you, you know. I, my, my clothes after are still get on, on the podcast so. all hot and bothered. You know, it, the, I, my voice is audible chocolate. After an hour of just hearing me straight, you know, she 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 gets a uh, she she gets a little feisty. But no, we're we're gonna be going ahead and packaging up a whole bunch of uh, shrink wrapped hardcover graphic novels to go ahead and send out to our epic crossover patrons and above. That's at the twenty five dollar level. You get all the previous perks and more, as well as a graphic novel sent to your door every couple of months, hand selected by Mark and myself. So that way you can go ahead and grow your graphic novel library at the 25 level or higher. So I've got about uh, eight in front of me. I even went ahead and got ahead for next month. It's going to be awesome. I went ahead and grabbed some really great books for people. I hope they enjoy it. Well, something else that I hope you all will enjoy is the look at this book we're going to look at today. The original, and I mean original, I mean the very first appearance, the very first iteration 
of uh, some turtles that have gone through a lot of changes over the years, both uh, in their actual transformation of the origin that we'll talk about, as well as uh, all the various forms of media they've appeared in from more comic books, many more comic books, animated TV series, video games, movies. I mean, these guys are everywhere. So before we dive in, Remzo, what is your own personal history as a, a young strapping millennial with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I know for a fact you were not even born yet when I was when I was watching this cartoon in the late 80s, early 90s. No, but I was old enough to eventually pick up um, episodes on VHS at my local Blockbuster, if that's not throwback enough. My dad would go ahead and take us to Blockbuster, and I remember my first exposure, we had the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That was We, we could pick three VHS tapes, so we went ahead and picked the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, then we went ahead and picked up uh, the sequel, Secret of the Ooze, and then I went ahead and picked up a VHS tape that had, I think, the first four episodes of the first season of the 1990s uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon and i was obsessed with it went to chuck e cheese later with my brother we went ahead and jumped on the old arcade game and i could finally figure out who all the turtles were of the midnight the late 90s was good the, the late 90s was good and the turtles were definitely uh you know a force to leave an impression on my young mind for sure what do you think of the turtles films you have a, f- a favorite uh you know the 2006 tmnt film is often forgotten but it was a uh, CGI Is that the one remake. with uh, Megan Fox or whatever? No, that was the Michael Bay stuff. The Michael Bay stuff sucked ass. Wait, so what's that? There's um, another one? TMNT. It's, uh, it, it's kind of like a standalone film. It, it, was, it was serious enough to be good, but it was funny enough to still keep that turtle charm. I think, and, and I don't want to get too ahead, but if you kind of like today's story. I don't think I knew story, this existed. It was really kind of oh, it's animated. Out there. That's why because yeah, I'm an CGI. adult, so I didn't watch it because I'm an adult. You, you're <laughs> talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, so I mean, <laughs> where, where, where do you draw the line? But this is actually like this is probably my favorite, other than the first one from the '90s. You always remember your first love. Um, you know, I think TMNT that came out in 2005, 2006 was probably my favorite. All right. Well, fair enough. I think mine is. Uh, I didn't watch the Michael Bay stuff. I watched half of the first one with Megan Fox, and, and I almost watched the sequel because I, I like Stephen Amal from Arrow, but it, it wasn't enough to make me want to go ahead and sit through that CGI orgy fest. It just wasn't. It, it didn't look right. It didn't seem right. It, it couldn't. It couldn't keep my attention. Well, I will say the original movie still it still hits on every level for me. Yes, it is cheesy. Yes, it is over the top absurd. But but it's what you it. expect. But it's what I want it to be. Exactly. Um, but I do have a little soft spot for Secret of the Ooze for for a number of reasons. Is that the one Vanilla Ice? That is the one with that. that and that is one of the reasons. Go Ninja, go Ninja, exactly. go. The go nin- Ninja, go Ninja, go. Go Ninja, go Ninja, go. Go Ninja, go Ninja, go. Go Ninja, go Ninja, go. This movie has everything. It has everything we had in the first one. Only we get some upgrades. We also get Casey Jones. I actually really like the movie portrayal of Casey Jones. We also get... Vanilla Ice and the Ninja Rap. What more could you want? And a little Easter egg for uh, wrestling fans, for fans uh, that may be listening on the North-South Connection feed. Hello to you. Uh, it features wrestler Kevin Nash, a.k.a. Diesel, as the Super Shredder. Did you know that? No. I bet you didn't. Do you even know who Kevin Nash is? No. This is very sad. So we're just going to move on before I lose all respect for you whatsoever. But nonetheless, we dive now into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one. From Mirage Studios. Now, what is Mirage Studios in 1984? Mirage Studios is just Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, a couple buddies that met, I believe, in Massachusetts. Uh, they moved in together. They became roommates, started working on comics, and that's Mirage Studios. So this, this was not a, a label that, that existed prior to them. Uh, living the dream. And it turns out these guys actually, they took a, a, they had a tax refund and then I think a loan from one of their uncles. I don't know which one to, to entirely self-fund this first issue. And it, this was it. Like they were completely broke after putting this out. And for all they knew, this was just a one-time deal. They put everything they had into it literally and said, all right, we made a comic. We did it with no idea that, that it was going to become, I mean, obviously they had no idea. They're, they're probably, I don't know if they're billionaires, probably not billionaires. I know the franchise has made billions, but they're definitely millionaires. I would, I would have to say off of all of the, the properties and everything, you know, that this has come from. But uh, at the time, this is just, just a couple, a couple young strapping lads with a few thousand dollars and a dream. So. It's, there's hope out there for all of us, I guess, is my point. Nothing like starting from 
your basement and ending up in the television screen. In a larger basement. Thousands, yeah. <laughs> in, a, in, a, in the basement of your mansion. Who owns the rights to the Turtles right now? Is it Hasbro? Well, I don't know. Are they owned? I mean, I think they're owned by, but they're probably licensed out to certain you know companies at a time. For I mean, IDW was the latest one to do the comics, I believe. Before the last, was last one on IDW? I'm not sure. It was it was IDW. I'm trying to remember who does the um, who owns the actual license in which they could you know license it out to people because there's a. Have, have you ever seen the the toys that made us on Netflix? I have not. It's a beautiful show. Because I'm an adult. Abs- no, I'm just kidding. You, oh, it will it will pull at your heartstrings. You got to watch the toys that made us on Netflix because they they look into like you know Rock'em Sock'em Robots, GI Joes, you know stuff from like that era when kids actually played with toys and not just video games all day. Um, but they actually do a whole episode about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and it's kind of a sad story because Eastman and Laird basically got snookered out by their lawyers and they really didn't end up with much of anything. And I'm pretty sure that, um, so they're not millionaires. They're not millionaires. They're not millionaires. That's horrible. They should be multi, they should be millionaires many times over. Kevin Laird makes almost no money from the toy rights because he was the one that actually negotiated the toy rights. And Laird was somehow this like a a Jack Kirby situation or like, we're like only years later do they, Oh, this is worse. This is like, this is like, um, and and, and I want to preface the characters, right? That's what's not, not necessarily. It's come, it's more like Ray Kroc and McDonald's. Um, they're Eastman and Laird reconnected, which is why books like the last Ronin were able to come out where they were actually involved with it. But, um, for almost two decades, they had no involvement in it because one of them, I forget who, so I don't want to like, you know, um, like you want to be us, you want to join Team Laird when you want it, when you should really be Team Yeah, I don't want to fame anybody, but all I know is that one of the two, got more rights than the others and than the other. And then one of them basically got nothing out of it because they got really big, really fast. And they had a lot of lawyers and corporate interests. I think it was Hasbro. I think Hasbro owns the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And uh, yeah, just, it, it, it was sad because this started off as a passion project. I'm pretty sure they split primarily because it, it wasn't, it wasn't fun for them anymore. And, uh, you know, when, when business gets in the way of things like that, it, it, it can get tragic sometimes. Luckily, according to uh, the toys that made us, they eventually made up and they went on to do cool things like The Last Ronin. But, you know, that's a good few decades where they didn't talk to each other and stuff like that. Which one of us is going to be the Eastman and which one's going to be the which one's going to be the Laird? We're going to have to rip the SPC baby in half. When I sign the rights over to, to Hasbro of this podcast. If Hasbro <laughs> wants to buy out the show. Yeah, um, we're taking wow. offers. Let's, let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, like we're, we're, we are passionate, but we're also shills. We will sell SPC and then we'll start TPC, third print comics. We'll do, we won't even miss a beat. We're going to pimp this thing out so we can't pimp it out anymore. Every few years, we'll just, fourth print comics, fifth print comics. We're just going to keep going into You liked us when we were ninth print. Well, welcome to tenth print. <laughs> anyway, that being said, it is time, in fact, to dive into this, by the way, black and white comic. What do you think of, just before we even get into uh, the story, what do you just think of, what do you think of black and white comics in general? I, I, I'm pretty sure I said I liked it when we were going over The Walking Dead, which is an example of a modern book that is done in black and white, so ink only. Uh, I think sometimes it could be really good. I've, I've very rarely seen a black and white comic where it wasn't done well, and I think often it's underappreciated. But then again, I'm also somebody that likes black and white movies, so maybe I've got kind of a bias. Perhaps, perhaps you do. But nonetheless, this is a all. Have you ever seen Zack Snyder's Justice League in black and white? I have. I've seen it in several versions. That one, I actually, I mean, I I thought it was cool, but I think if I'm going to choose one to watch, it's going to be the color version on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Unlike Logan, where I will only watch Logan in black and white. Indeed. I finally did see that. It it does hit a little harder in the black and white. Um, But speaking of hitting harder in black and white, here we go into this book. And we start off, we see these, we, we, we don't mess around. You know, we see an up close shot, but we're still on the first page when, when we get the wide shot of all four turtles. And uh, it turns out these guys just, they, they took a wrong turn. They were not out looking for a battle. And suddenly they are, you know, facing down this gang in an alley. But it's interesting for, for four turtles not looking for a fight. They, they sure do walk around well armed. So these are the turtles we know and love. Leonardo, Michelangelo, Donatello, and Raphael. However, uh, in this version, because they're black and white, we don't see different colors. You know, and later in the cartoons, 
they changed it so they had different color bandanas so the kitties could tell them all apart and everything. But here, we only can tell them apart by their distinctly different weapons. Do you remember the, the weapons? Who has got the sigh? Pop quiz, hotshot. Michelangelo. No, sorry. And Raphael. Raphael. Nice try. Anyway. Donatello. Donatello has the staff. Donatello has the staff. Leonardo Mikey. has the katana. And Mikey has Mikey the nunchucks. Mikey has the sword. The uh, nunchucks. No, Who has, has the sword? Nunchucks. The sword is... Sword. Well, that's, this, that's Leonardo. That's the katana. It's, it's called a katana, Remzo. It's not a sword. It's the a ninja sword. sword. <laughs> it's a, insert gong here. Yeah, it's a sword. Gong. <laughs> we call it a katana. Anyway. And yeah, they're standing down in this alley facing down who knows who. We don't know, but they're yelling off camera. They're saying, you're dead freaks. Nobody trashes on purple dragon turf. The dreaded purple dragons. Especially no lose, these losers in turtle costumes. But as we find out on the next page from the narration, from Leonardo's narration, uh, he's wrong. We're not wearing costumes. <laughs> so these are live-action turtles. Um, and we do see uh, a little bit of a battle here. And clearly these turtles are, are well-trained. Uh, as the title implies, they are ninjas. They are ninja turtles. These gangsters are shooting guns at them. And, uh, you know, they're dodging bullets. They're, they're getting knocked around by size. And we get a pretty, you know, this is a pretty solid several pages of battle here against these fairly generic sort of 80s-style punks. And uh, we also learn here, yes, yes, we can bleed. One of the turtles gets cut. I believe that is Leonardo with the katana. So the turtles have a pretty, a pretty violent clash here. What do you think of this opening battle? Uh, pretty much just, just coming in hot here. This four or five pages of uh, just pure ninja madness. So I think it's really important to preface that this whole series was supposed to be a satire of Frank Miller's Daredevil run. Um, you oh, see, this we're going to get to that. Really, we're going to see how much of a satire very soon. Yeah. So if you go into it knowing that, then. You're then I I mean, I, I, I love this intro. It harkens back to, uh, you know, a lot of those Frank Miller esque openings, whether you're a fan of his Daredevil. I might say homage more stuff. than more than satire. Homage, yeah, yeah because yeah, it is well, respect, I mean, it's not making fun of it is. Uh, yeah, like Spaceballs is a satire. Yeah, this is exactly. definitely an homage for more on our homage versus uh, satire course that we'll be teaching uh, starting next month. Sign up over at uh, the hundred dollar level at patreon.com slash second print cod. You're going to learn so much about homaging. You'll be homaging everywhere you go. Oh, yeah. Or you may be even satirizing us. Who knows? Maybe. We don't want to tell you what to homage and satirize. Thus finishes their first skirmish. This is, so this is their very first skirmish, which I find pretty interesting because for, for four turtles who have never, uh, who, four anamorphic turtles who have never fought before, they did pretty good. <laughs> Not bad for you, for you. I didn't do this well in my first skirmish. I'll tell you that. How about Remzo? When was your first skirmish? Can you define skirmish? When I oh, mean, what? you're in the army. What? what? Yeah. You're, 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 oh, I thought it was like a race thing. That because no, I'm, I'm, I'm Latino, I, I'm getting into like <laughs> you know street street fights, like an anchor man. I mean, it's I don't know. I don't know what kind of skirmishes you get into. Would you, when, uh, the first fight I got the first time into you got, got uh, punched in the mouth. I guess you could say. That's uh, my, that's my it did. It did go well. No, it usually put it that way. It usually no. the first time. I didn't see it coming either. I didn't have nunchucks either. That would have evened the playing field. How, how old were you? Is this high school? Is this uh, uh, 12? 12. Okay. And yeah. What, you got hit by a solid left hook or what? Uh, I, I turned around. I bumped into a guy and he was like, hey, what the hell was that? And I'm like, sorry. And I blinked. And next thing you know, my nose was bleeding. Wow. That's your super, yeah. that's your super villain origin story right there. Yeah. And now I got, I re- got revenge by uh, doing a comic book podcast. Sea world. Poetic justice. Be a nerd once, you're a nerd forever. Uh, but yes, we learn here from the continued narration from Leonardo that this is, in fact, their first skirmish. He mentions Splinter. He says, Splinter will be pleased. Uh, the police roll up, so they roll out. And these turtles, they duck. They, and they say here, we do not like to run from those who would be our allies, but we must. So they're, you know, they're not really anti-cop here, but they know that if they stick around, the cops are are going to suspect something's up with the these. turtles back the blue yeah the turtles do they theoretically back the blue however because they are uh walking talking turtles they cannot really risk an interaction with the police which probably just wouldn't wouldn't go that well um so yeah they, they dive as uh, as we've come to know and love them they dive into their home in the sewers we strike hard and we fade away into the night now i read like their eastman and laird weren't always on the same page uh, i've read like a lot of their like stories they have throughout this I, we're reading this on the uh, what's this called? Like the, the black and white collection, the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles black and white connection, which which I have. I'm reading it on Comixology Unlimited, but um, and they have a few stories throughout this, um, you know, throughout the trade paperback. But basically between every issue, there's some story. And uh, they didn't even agree on like certain panels like this panel. 
of the city, this one page, this wide shot of the city. They were like arguing about whether it should be in there. And I, th- I forget which one it is. I, I mixed them all up. Like Eastman didn't want it. And then like Laird just drew it. So it, it's just interesting how they like even even informing this, they were kind of. They, they even got into a massive fight before the whole thing even took off because they didn't know what type of turtles they wanted them to be. I think they settled on box turtles, which, which looks a bit friendlier, which is kind of funny if you take a friendly turtle and, you know, make it uh, make it a ninja. But they actually wanted snapping turtles. And if you go oh. ahead and see, go ahead and Google, look very folks. kid friendly. No, it was pretty horrifying. If you go ahead and Google uh, original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles designs, they don't look very human-like, which sounds weird for a Ninja Turtle. But these, these, you, I don't think you can make a kid's cartoon out of these. Well, good thing they didn't choose the Snapping Turtles because many, many, many a kid's cartoon were made out of these. Yeah, I tried to save one. I tried to save, a, you know, one of those like alligator turtles, those terrapins in Maryland when I was moving my, uh, my wife out here to Wisconsin. And I didn't know that they weren't friendly. So I go over to this thing and it starts like snapping and hissing at me. And I'm like, you little fucker, I'm about to save you from getting run over on the road. And it just waddled off. I hate those. Ungrateful bastard. Sadly, that's not the first time I tried to save one of those turtles. Well, maybe someday it will, uh, you know, be transformed by mutagen and come to your rescue. We'll have to fight. Well, if it does come to my rescue, that'd be awesome. If not, we're fighting to the death because I said some pretty nasty things about reptiles. Well, these turtles are are, are more docile than uh, Remzo is imagining this turtle he saved. And they come into their master splinter, splinter, who, as as we all know, is a giant talking rat. And uh, I find this all funny. He's like, "Ah, you have done well." Oh wait, am I gonna do it? Am, am I gonna? Am I gonna really? Oh, you do have it? done well. There we do go. it. There do we go. It. Your skills are at their peak. I have foreseen this night for many years. This is. I think this is my favorite part of the original movie. Is is how Splinter talks. The time for you to be told of the mission for which I have trained you these past 13 years. So so he's been training them in ninja skills for 13 years to the point that they have mastered these various weapons, to the point that they have no problem taking out this street gang in their very first skirmish that they weren't even planning to have. But since they are now, I guess, of fighting age, fighting prowess, finally this guy is going to tell them what, what they've been training 13 years for. So this whole time... They don't know anything about their story. They don't even know how they're turtles. They don't how they're like talking walking turtles. They know nothing. For 13 years, these guys have been in the total dark. Can can you and imagine? That's how you raise a child army. I guess so. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. It's, at some point, they're going to be asking questions, but I, I guess they never really did. So we're going to take you into turtles, into the, the turtles origin story here, as told to us by Master Splinter. Of course, we've seen this in the cartoons. We've seen this in the movies. We've seen this a thousand times in, a, in a many different iterations. Uh, you know, in, in some iterations, I feel like in, in one of the iterations, like, like it's, it's, he starts as a, in some, he starts as a, as a uh, rat and beca- and then others, he was like a human. I think in the cartoon, he was like a human that they turned into a rat or something. Yeah. He, he was a human that was somehow turned into a rat. And then in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, he was a rat raised by a human who was taught, you know, Kung Fu. And then the, the master dies and the master's wife dies and the guy who kills them happens to be Shredder. So they have like this joined origin. Yes, that is the version in the movie. And that is the basically the version that we're going to read here. It's, so the, the movie, the original movie does pretty much take directly. I mean, very much. It's, it's pretty much the exact same origin as, as uh, we'll lay out right here. But yes, this is where we find out that my tale, my tale begins some 20 years ago. I was a young rat. So this is my question here. Before we, I'm already on, on the first sentence of his story. Please continue. He was a young rat. He remembers being a young rat. So he had thought. And so like, and he goes on, he's like, you know, my cage was in this dojo of my master, Hamato Yoshi. And uh, I watched his daily practice. It amused me to see him, to see him do like this ninja move. So he would mimic his movements. So like, okay, nothing supernatural has happened yet. He's not encountered this mutagen or anything. This is like Ratatouille, but with violence. This already seems like an an oddly intelligent rat, even before anything has happened, right? Like uh, he remembers this. He remembers being a rat, and he mimics uh, this like ninja moves in this cage. As a this is again as a normal rat. No muta- no, no mutagen has come into play yet. Ratatouille. Instead of learning to cook, he learned how to fight. Well, I haven't seen that. You know why, Remzo? Because uh, I'm an adult. <laughs> anyway, mo- moving along. That's going to be my new. My As new part one. of new Disney canon, you have to watch the classics, the new classics, that is, like Ratatouille. So Splinter learned everything he knows, not because he was trained, but because he was a rat who just watched a guy do ninja stuff by himself in his dojo all day. 
Um, if yeah, only jujitsu was that. Easy. We do learn a little bit more now about Hamato Yoshi. He was one of the famous Foot Clan, the most the most feared warriors and assassins in all Japan. Another member of the Foot Clan was Aroku Nagi. He and my master Yoshi competed fiercely in all things, especially for the love of a young woman, Tang Shen. Oh no! So be, uh, this never ends well. Uh, anyway. They said they both tried to win her, but from the start, she loved only one, my master Yoshi, because he had those sweet ninja skills and that cool, highly intelligent rat. Uh, I added that part. He says, Nagi was insanely jealous, our fateful knight. He went to Tang Shen's home and demanded she love him, which always works out. Uh, Shen refused, saying that she wanted only Yoshi. In a jealous rage, Nagi began to beat her. So this is, this is quite violent. And they, they show this That's too. some Chris Brown shit yeah, right they, there. They, again, this is, this is quite a, between the original alley fight. I mean, we see blood on, on, on uh, Nagi's hands here. Um, and as, uh, yeah, let's see. Let's see. Later, at that moment, yeah. So as he was beating her, Yoshi came to visit his lover, entered the room, and saw Nagi poised to strike. And um, right as he was doing so, he found it was... You know, he, he went after Oroku Nagi. Uh, yeah, Oroku Nagi. I get all these names mixed up. Um, he said, Yo- Yoshi's world vanished in a red haze. And it is implied here. Yes, well, not, it's not implied. It's quite clearly stated. And when it cleared, Nagi was no more. So apparently, uh, Oroku, not Oroku Nagi, uh, Yoshi, what's name? Yoshi? Yoshi? Other Asian guy. Yeah. Yoshi killed Nagi. There we go. With his bare hands. And this is the guy we're, we're supposed to look up to. But, you know, fair enough. He, he was, he was uh, saving the life of his lover. So I think we can let it pass. Uh, Yoshi's shame was great, though, because by killing another member of his clan, he had dishonored himself. His choices were simple but not easy. Take his own life. One way you could go. Doesn't sound like the one I would choose. And hope for honor. I don't remember and, that in the cartoon. No, I don't remember that at all. And, and hope and honor for hope and hope and hope for honor in the next life. Or flee with Shen to another country and try to start life again. He chose the latter, taking him a few belongings, including me. He's like, you got to pack up all your shit and go to the U.S. and sneak out of Japan. But don't forget your rat because he is highly intelligent and you may need priorities, man. Priorities. Yes. And he came to New York and here he formed a a small martial arts school. Uh, But meanwhile, in Japan, um, you know, the whole Foot Clan and Nagi's family is, is mourning Nagi's death, especially his younger brother, Saki. Okay, so Oroku Saki. Um, so seven years, the seven, he was only seven years old. So the seven-year-old Saki vowed revenge on Yoshi. The foot took hold of Saki's anger and used it to bend him to their own purposes. Saki began intensive training in the ninja's arts and soon surpassed his teachers. As he grew older, his hatred of Yoshi grew deep and bitter. And we see some images here of, uh, you know, young little Yoshi Saki getting older getting more ninja-y and getting angrier as well. Finally, we see he is uh, told by, um, you know, the, the master of the Foot Clan, whatever you call him, you've proven yourself, though you are only 18. Gong, put the gong there. Uh, you are a most cunning assassin and an able leader. Therefore, we have chosen you to go to the U.S. and head the New York branch of the Foot. And uh, he says, at last, a chance to avenge my brother's death. So Saki moved quickly. Within a year, he had built the New York Foot Clan, a force to be reckoned with. Again, this is... Very much just following the origin story uh, of uh, laid out in the original TMNT movie. Uh, eventually, though, Saki, uh, you know, under Saki's leadership, the foot was involved in many criminal activities because why not? You got to make a buck. We got drug smuggling. We got arms running and their specialty assassination, which they're very skilled at. So Saki, now called now called the Shredder, was successful, but not satisfied in his heart. Burning hatred for Hamato Yoshi and his wife, Tang Shen. On a night nearly 15 years ago, Saki finally made his move. Saki came in and, uh, you know, uh, Yoshi, yes, Yoshi came home and saw that his wife, Tang Shen, had been murdered. And he saw the killer, he said, good lord, who are you? And he said, I am a Rokusaki. And then he said, oh no. And this is where we see the Shredder. He is actually in full full Shredder gear here. And he also murders uh, Yoshi Saki as well. Uh, during the struggle, this is still, still, still Splinter talking. During the struggle, my cage was smashed. I was free, but my master was dead. In my grief, I wandered the streets living off scraps of garbage. Then, uh, I'm not going to do the splinter voice the whole time. And then uh, eventually one day, he was searching for, this is when we find out that how much of an homage to Daredevil this is. Um, I was searching a, a, a trash can for my next meal. I witnessed an accident. An old blind man crossing the street was almost run down by a large truck. At the last moment, a young man leaped at the blind man and knocked him out of the truck's way. As the truck screeched to a jarring stop, a metal canister bounced out of the back of the truck and struck a young man near his eyes. So not only is this an homage to daredevil 
in this story, this is Daredevil's origin, and that I never realized how much they were trying to make this Daredevil's origin. It's literally, they don't say it, but this is Matt Murdock. It's supposed to be Matt Murdock turning into Daredevil, and then that same canister of mutagen from that turned that hit him in the eyes and blinded him and turned him into Daredevil. That same mutagen then fell down into the sewer. Um, More like Rat Murdock. Yeah, Rat, rat oh, Murdock. Boy. There you go. There you go. Now we're talking. Um, it fell into the sewer where, uh, you know, where Splinter was being just, a, just being a highly intelligent rat until uh, he came in contact with this mutagen. Um, and at the same time, this canister, this canister, uh, you know, it, it smashed a small glass jar that whole held full four small turtles. Uh, so that was these turtles. So uh, first Splinter became like more of a rat and then he started taking care of these turtles and he noticed the turtle, the turtles who had been covered in mutagen and he noticed they started growing, growing bigger and bigger uh, as Splinter was also growing. Save big on brunch for mom all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi or seven up all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Bigger and more intelligent. And then eventually one day we hear, Linter? One of you finally said my name. I just find it so funny here. Like, okay, I guess it's one thing that they didn't know exactly the mission they were training for for 13 years, but they didn't even know this part. <laughs> like, they didn't even know their own origin story. Why did they think they were big talking turtles? Why didn't they think there were other big talking turtles around? Why did they think they had to hide who they were from the world and not interact with police because big talking turtles are not, are not a normal thing? Did they never ask? Blinder, why are we big talking turtles before now? And they didn't even ask now. He just told them. I, I, I mean, listen, if, if he's doing anything from the Coney 2012 playbook, <laughs> it's make sure your child soldiers don't ask any questions. Well, nonetheless, they, well, he, did, he did good on that end because they did not really ask questions. But yes, eventually they started to, uh, to walk upright. And he said, uh, I, began, I began training you, teaching you all that I had learned. Uh, from watching Master Yoshi. So all again, all that he learned just by w- being a rat and watching a guy do ninja stuff. Uh, I taught you the use of weapons, which he never held be- before because he was a rat. Um, and the art of stealth and all that I knew of this world. Now, I, I make fun of this because it's it's a little bit hokey, but I, I do really like this origin Like it, for what it is. I mean, it embraces its own hokiness and it does this sort of homage satire to Daredevil with while still taking itself seriously. Like, you know, I'm having fun with it and we're laughing about it, but it do- it's not trying to come off overly silly it's trying to be it's obviously silly and and we're playing along with that but it also is it's a serious kind of silly if that makes sense you feel yeah yeah i mean i'm i'm, I'm trying to think about it this was a book and this is what i love about underground comics you know what you're getting it doesn't always have to make sense but if you have catchy enough artwork which i i can't think of any other artist that's even similar to uh to 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 do in the type of work that you see in here, especially compared to like the mainstream works of the time. I mean, this is this is it definitely has an indie feel, but it definitely stands out. It's definitely good art. Yeah, I mean, this is like Judge Dredd, Tank Girl. I mean, it's all within that very I, I call it like the grunge phase of underground comic books. This very much meets it. So you know, the story's a little bit hokey. You don't you don't come here for things to make sense. You come here to see Ninja Turtle violence. Exactly. Yes, that that should be our our, our tagline. Um, yeah, so uh, funny, funny, I find it funny too. He says he named them by using a battered copy of a book on the Renaissance. So hold on. How did he learn to read? Cause he didn't. So did he learn to read as a rat before he was intelligent or he like, <laughs> as another magic Chinese person in the movie once said, please accept the mystery. Okay. So let's accept the mystery. Um, but yes, he's, he, 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 we get our turtle names. Uh, originally they were supposed to be, I forget what they're going to be. They're supposed to be something else. So that's my story about that. Um, maybe I'll remember. Um, but he says, now I am old and there's a task that I would have you perform before I leave this life. Now I must ask you to do that, which no being should ask of another. So, but you're, but you're going to ask. Okay. Which no being should ask of another. I ask you to avenge the cruel death of my master, Hamato Yoshi and his wife, Tang Shen. I ask you to challenge and kill the murderer, Orokusagi, the strider. 
Man, you up. didn't see that in the cartoon. Hold up. This guy, he, these are child soldiers. You're, you are, you nailed this correctly. He raised them to be murderers. Splinter 2012. Here's my thing. This is, this is very Coney 2012. You're, this is, you're very accurate here uh, with this child army. Um, what, 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 oh, hold on. This is like an honorable ninja. He's a, he's a grown ass rat. If I say so myself, why doesn't he go do the job here? He's going to send these children, these children, these teenage turtles after this guy. Listen, he has fed them, provided for them, probably had That's the what top Tony of them said. since they're, yeah, you know, <laughs> listen, if, if all your father figure asks of you is to go commit an act of vengeance on his behalf. That seems like a reasonable request or else they could have just been like, you know, dumpster sewer turtles. Indeed, indeed. Well, dumpster sur- turtles, <laughs> dumpster sewer turtles. These, these are not. Instead, we have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And um, first off, the, I guess we don't really see. I guess they're they're putting up no resistance to their their first murder because <laughs> because apparently we're just moving along with the plan here. So we see. I really Those love this. Those are good sons. Yes, they are. I really love this. They appreciated the pizza. I do. I really love this panel here of Raphael just kind of up on the perch. So the plan here is they're going to send Raphael. Um, to deliver a message of challenge to the shredder. So first we got to deliver the challenge and then I guess we can have the challenge. So he uh, basically he says, Splinter told me to infiltrate the shredder's headquarters and leave a calling card. My pleasure. My pleasure. I'm trying to do the, the Raphael voice from the movies. Uh, two guards on the right, one on the far left. They've got to go. They'll be my calling card. So uh, Raphael dives in and uh, easily handles these uh, foot soldier goons, I guess you could say. And then uh, this other guy yells, he's like, hey, who are you, ninja? And he yells, turtle. <laughs> and then so then uh, Raphael gets into a, a ninja fight with this other guy. Do, uh, do we want to go ahead and spoil who the foot were based off of? Sure, because I don't know. I'm not sure I know the answer. They were based off the hand. Oh, well, that, I mean, so literally, that yeah, I should. you've got hands ninjas. Oh, duh. So what, what, what duh. do you get now when you're going to homage it because we're not satirizing? Am I satirizing. that dumb that I didn't get that? I didn't get that till right now. My God. Duh. Hashtag the more, you know, we never got an Electra. There's no there's no version of unless April's our Electra. I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. uh, yeah. maybe anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but Raphael, even though it's his second fight ever, easily handles this this very seasoned ninja. And he says, now on to my task. It's an easy shot. And he sends his sigh through this office and uh, lands on, on the wall where I guess Orokusaki is, uh, or Orokunagi? Yeah, Orokusaki is, uh, is I, I get all these Orokus mixed up. Um, and the sigh comes in, goes against the wall where Oroku uh, uh, was, I guess, talking business with these guys. He's actually, he's basically shaking these guys down for protection. Um, he's like, yeah, you guys, but you know, it is your, he's telling these guys, it's to your advantage to have my protection when the Sai comes in and the note says, Oroku Saki, also known as the Shredder, you have shamed and dis- you have shamed and dishonored the name of your family by murdering Hamato Yoshi. I give you, this is like 15 years ago. He's like, I forgot about that. I'll give you the chance to regain your wait, honor. Wait, wait, wait a second though. Wait a second though. If we're talking about honor. Yeah. First, his brother is murdered his dad. by a fellow. Yeah. His, his, yeah. He's murdered. And then. He goes to New York to go kill Shredder's owner. Isn't that no, just... He go, yeah, to kill... No, he, to kill Splinter's owner, yes. Yeah, he, he goes there. I mean, technically... Maybe Shredder... Are you defending at, Shredder here? I'm not, I'm not defending the Shredder's villainy, but I'm saying, you know, if we want to talk about the chain of violence that has taken us to this moment, he's not entirely wrong well, in, in shredder's that. defense he might he probably doesn't know the context of the death of his father because he's a rat because it, no his father's <laughs> no you're you're mixing everything up his i'm saying shredder shredder's dad was killed by the human he, shredder doesn't know about the rat yet this is the first he's learning of no one knows about this talking rat until right now shredder's the father For is the 13 guy. years they don't know why they're hearing about strange teenage mutant ninja turtle sightings and they don't happen to wonder if a rat is involved were they hearing? Yeah, about, actually, I, I don't think anybody. As, heard. I, as I say that out loud, it actually <laughs> answers my own question, yeah, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, anyway. So yeah. So, but yeah, this seven-year-old, like his dad would die when he was seven. All he knows is that this Yoshi guy killed his dad. So he probably doesn't know that his dad was, you know, beating on this guy's lover or whatever like that. So 
So yeah, you could you could definitely see a, a heroic justification for Shredder wanting re- maybe maybe heroic isn't the word since he's doing arms arm smuggling and uh, all these things. But you can you can maybe understand. more like legally justified. Like we're not saying somebody's innocent, but we're totally saying they're not guilty. It's probably not legally justified, but you can see his perspective. Let's just put it that way uh, on the issue. It's not the most unfair thing we've come across for villains on this show. Anyway, move. No, it's not. Anyway, moving along. And he says, meet my four disciples for a duel to the death tomorrow night. Already. We're talking about honor here. And he whoa, 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 whoa. Disciples. Okay. Now, Coney called them children, at least. <laughs> yeah. Disciples is going right for like, yeah, we are a cult. That's what we are. But, you know, you're talking about honor in this very same note. Why has it got to be four on one? So you're not even going to show up to this own thing that's your feud. Instead, you're going to send your child soldier, your child disciples. <laughs> and, and then on top of all that, it's going to be four. You don't even choose your best one. It's four on one. That's None of this seems fair at all to me. I, I think I'm on Team Shredder by the, by the end of this thing. Yeah, Splinter isn't really making a good case for himself. No, he's not. But anyway, this is quite embarrassing to Oroku because he's trying to sell himself on the Foot Clan's protection to these like shady businessmen. And they say, well, Mr. Oroku, is this the protection you would have us purchase if you cannot keep your own complex secure? And so, you know, and, and Oroku is like, outrageous, this is absurd. And he says, there will be a duel and there will be death. There's. So the following night, I, I guess this is just going to... And, and we are really like speeding to the confrontation here because, again, for all Eastman and Laird knew, this was it. This was their comic book career. So they are t- telling what could what could be a complete story. Like they basically wrote this as a one shot and who knows what happens. But this is this is meant to be just like a one complete story. And then, of course, you know, we know what happened from there and many, many, many stories to come. Uh, but, yes, the following night, the turtles are out there. They're, they're waiting. Uh, they said, this is it, my brother. So I don't know how he told them. I guess he didn't tell them. He didn't respond. He just decided he'll be, they just assumed he would show up, I guess. And uh, yes, they, they, they're, they're meeting on the top of this rooftop and they're like, Shredder, we are here. They're just screaming, Shredder, face us. And then Shredder's kind of watching from another rooftop and he's like, who are these fools? I still don't understand. He hasn't figured this out yet. I still don't understand why after so long this comes back to haunt me. I killed Yoshi 15 years ago. No matter. My men are in place and the time is near. I shall finish this business once and for all. And they're still screaming. They're just standing on the roof screaming, Shredder, Shredder, do you hear us? And then he lands on the roof. He says, I am here. Come face your doom. What do you think? This is the first time we get like a real full look of the Shredder. We only kind of seen him in shadows here. What do you think of the, of the look of Shredder as like an original villain? And is, is the Shredder supposed to represent a specific uh, Daredevil villain that I don't realize? Not, not necessarily. I mean... I can't really think of anyone who looks like Shredder or has a similar origin. I mean, from a when from I like think a, Daredevil, I think Kingpin. As far as like the King, one Kingpin, villain, so. Bullseye. I mean, that that's Bullseye-ish, maybe, but that's that's a stretch. So I don't think. It's I, I mean, I, I would put I would put Sh- I would put Shredder on par in terms of like classic classic villains. I would say that he's he's not he's not on the same league as like you know Darth Vader. No, but he's definitely in like the peripherals of that. But he looks I mean, cool. Yeah, he looks cool for an '80s random uh, indie. He, he gives me like Big Trouble Little China vibes. Yes. Remember that Kurt Russell cr- classic? Yeah, remember it, of course. Yeah, have to watch that tonight. Uh, he says, uh, "Come face your doom," and then he says, "Foot, join me," because you know, in Shredder's defense, yeah, yeah, I'd bring, I'd bring back up too if I was told that four guys are going to confront me here. So now we got a full-on battle, got a huge, uh, I believe it's probably a double splash page, but, uh, you know, because I'm on the digital version, it's all on one page for me. Big double splash page of the Turtles and the Foot uh, just going at it. More great ninja action. And he's saying, these guys are good. This is their third fight, but they're still holding their own against these lifelong ninjas here. And Raphael says, we are better. And yeah, again, we get uh, several pages of the battle. They're pretty much much easily taking out the Foot Clan. And uh, Shredder says, so I see. They were my, they were good men, my best. I see too that they have left their mark because the turtles here, like we see a close-ups, close-ups of the turtles and they, they are in rough shape. They are cut, they are bruised, they are bloody. Um, so they basically, the Foot Clan has been sacrificed to, uh, to tenderize the turtles, I guess you could say, uh, for Master Shredder here. Still, still seems a little unfair that he's got to go, go four on one in this thing, but, uh, but nonetheless, uh, he did even the odds a little bit with, by having the Foot Clan there to, to soften them up. He says, you know, you can come come all at once or come come all at the same time or come one at a time. I don't care. For only That's what I she said. will leave here alive. I'm just going to let that go. Uh, and, and Raphael dives in, being the hothead of the group. He says, me first. Yeah. And, and he kind of easily gets handled uh, by Shredder. Um, they each sort of come in one by one and they get their licks in on Shredder, but he kind of is able to bat them all, all off. And uh, Leonardo saying, like, he's too skilled for us to fight one on one brothers. 
use group tactics and hit from a distance. It's like, well, being honorable, that didn't work. So let's just gang up on the guy. So we now see him get hit with like some of these shurikens that they had, uh, I guess, in their in their hiding in their turtle shells. Um, Raphael gets him with the size. Um, and now they are really working together and uh, taking out the Shredder one at a time. Uh, Shredder gets jacked in the back from Leonardo from the katana, not the sword. Uh, and then, yeah, that, that seems to be what really takes him out in, in the end. Um, and he, um, yeah, and then I believe it's Donatello again. Yeah, go, yeah Donatello kind of like knocks him to the ground, says, this is the end for you, Shredder. Uh, and then Shredder says, you are overly confident, fool. And he knees Donatello. Then he is kind of one-on-one with Leonardo. He says, perhaps he is Shredder. But Leonardo says, but perhaps not. Leonardo jams his katana right through Shredder's midsection, just like what happened to the Grand Inquisitor in Obi-Wan, which tells me he might not really be dead either, but he says, uh, Shredder, not. Says, Shredder says, so finish it, fools. I am helpless. Slay me now. And this is, and then Raphael says like, no, turtles, I don't know, actually, and it's not Raphael, I think it's Leonardo. He says, we turtles are not dogs without honor. Unlike you, Orokusaki, I will give you one more chance to free, to redeem your honor. Take this katana and commit the puku, which is, uh, that totally know, was not in the cartoon. That was definitely not in the cartoon, uh, which is, you know, uh, the honorable suicide, I guess you could say. So, the, you know, they, here's what I don't get. Like, he's saying, we're, 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 we're not dogs. We're, we're not without honor. We'll, we'll let you kill yourself. We're not, we're not murderers here. But Splinter already basically just told him to go kill this guy. Like, he didn't say have honor. He didn't say, uh, you know, do this the honorable way. He didn't say let him, let him uh, you know, do seppuku. He said... Just go kill this guy. So I, I, I'm getting some mixed messages here. Like, are you honorable? Are you not? Uh, but nonetheless, they try to go the honorable route and let him kill himself, which doesn't seem like that much better of an option, really. Um, but Shredder says, never. If I must kill myself, I will take all of you turtles with me. And he whips out a thermite grenade. And he says, this will wipe you all out. This rooftop will be clean of all life, including you. Donatello. It is Donatello? Yeah. Or is it Raph? Or I mean, not Raph. Michelangelo. I can't tell if it's a nunchuck. I think it's or Donatello. The- I think it's Nontello, just going by the weapons. It looks like the staff, yeah. Knocks Shredder with the staff off the roof, and as he's falling off the roof, the turnite, the, ter- the thermite grenade explodes, uh, seemingly killing the Shredder. But as you know, Ramzo, you don't see a body, they ain't dead. Uh, so, but the turtles don't know that. They haven't read enough comics yet, so they're not aware of that. They, they say, our mission is accomplished. Our master's master is avenged. <laughs> master's master. Uh, he says, I am tired, Donatello. So are we all, Michelangelo. Let's go home. And uh, they are back at the place. They are all beat. And uh, they say, Leonardo, look, there's a piece of the armor. They see a piece of Shredder's armor on the ground. And uh, Leonardo says, hmm, seems that the Shredder has been shredded. (laughs) Ah. That was like, they really wanted to get the line in there. Um, We are the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We strike hard and fade away into the night. That ends our last panel as the turtles take off into the alley, headed back to the sewer. That does it for the very first issue ever of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. By the way, I don't think I asked you, had you ever read this before? Not, not before the show. You know, I, I have collected some of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics over the years, and I have seen some of the original Eastman and Laird uh, stories, but I have never actually sat down to actually read it. And, and you know what? I love it. Uh, uh, it's just, it really goes to the heart of what they were supposed to be, and I think this is why I liked The Last Rodin so much, because... You gotta let the turtles be turtles. And I'm not saying that to shit on any other interpretation. I love the 90s cartoon, but the 90s cartoon was for kids. I love the original movies. There's not really a version of the turtles I dislike. Um, even though, like, Nickelodeon and Netflix have gone through a few different iterations over the past, you know, three, four years, there, there's something about this you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle world where it's like, you know what, no matter what version you get, no matter who's doing it, it's just so endearing. Very few franchises have as much goodwill as the Turtles do. And this story really reminds me, it's like, you know what, when fans get together and create something awesome, just for the sake of doing it, it's amazing what can come out of it. Indeed. And what came out of it is this story. So we are going to be judging this one today on the old SBC rating system. One to five for the art, one to five for the writing. Remzo, why don't you take this one first? I love Eastman's style. I think it reminds me a little bit of the 
of the irregular artwork that we saw in Mage a few months back, it's it's a little bit different. I mean, you can see where some of his inspirations come from, definitely. Some Frank Miller, um, a little bit of... Uh, I, I won't say Kirby, but maybe like the blockiness, like the, 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 the stoutness of some of the characters in the panels. It definitely comes off that way. Love the artwork. I'm going to go ahead and give the artwork a four out of five. And then for the story, I mean, this is definitely an homage, but it feels unique into itself. It's what started the whole thing. I love how they could take such silly concepts and make it seem serious. And for, you know, something like this, it could have always just been this one issue, but it built a whole franchise out of it. I, maybe it's the nostalgia. Maybe it's the fact that I love seeing, you know, fans go ahead and create things. But I mean, how many people have lampooned the turtles over the years and tried oh, yeah, to steal exactly. the turtles thunder? I'm going to go ahead and give them a four out of, a 4.5. So I'm going to go ahead and give this a total score of a nine out of 10. Wow. That's bad math, though, because you said you said you're giving a four for the art and then a four point. Oh, I'm sorry. I did that. No, I'm <laughs> sorry. I meant four out of five for the art, four out of four point uh, five for the art, four point five for the story. So I'm giving it I'm giving it a nine. So four point five for art, four point five for story. Oh, you're upping. You're upping. Your I'm, I'm upping. I meant right. to say four point five for the art. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, you know. We never told you we were here because we're good at math, right? We're here to talk about comics. So yeah, that's what we do. I look at pictures and read things sometimes poorly. Um, yeah, I think I think like I think this needs to be judged on a curve on a couple levels. One on a curve of this is two dudes in their twenties who just made a comic. They were just Ill, they were just doodling together and made a comic. This is not from a and 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 funded it all themselves. So I think you have to kind of great a little bit of a curve there i think on both the art and the writing which which i think are both very good so uh, you know starting with the art um i man i look is this like amazing art i like it it's definitely different it's it's definitely very outside the mainstream kind of art it's grungy it's grungy i think that's a good good way to put it, it it's definitely i don't want to say amateur because this is a professional comic and it's produced but it it's you can tell they're they're fresh you know this is not necessarily completely refined um you know some of the panels look a little more doodled than others a little less detailed than others but I, but it's that's kind of part of what's that's kind of part of what's good about it too it's kind of that that gritty feel fits the story too that imperfect feel f- does fit the, the tone of the story it would it wouldn't look as good if it wasn't as gritty if it was more polished so because of the the way the story is laid out i, I think it's almost like it's it's part of the charm of the art in a way um so i'm gonna agree with you i can't give the art a five but i can give it a 4.5 uh, especially considering um, my curve system here for, for these these two indie creators uh, just doing their first com- for our first comic, by the way. I mean, a first comic. Yeah, I'm giving them a talk about hitting jackpot. And uh, yeah, I, I think on this one, I don't think I'd be able to live with myself if I if I graded the writing any lower than you. That's not how I normally judge myself. And but I, I think it's I think it's deserved here. This is this could easily just be so silly that you you would never it would never have gone anywhere. But I think they just hit the right tone where, yes, it is. It is a daredevil homage. They, they couldn't be more clear about that. I, I feel so dumb for making it almost 42 years without realizing that the foot is the hand. I it's it's blowing, blowing my mind as a fan of both Daredevil and the Turtles for a long time. So that is a yeah, that's on me. Uh, but. I'm going to give the writing a 4.5 as well. I think they just hit the right, that the tone was right. Um, yeah, some things didn't really add up, but like in terms of like the, you know, Splinter being honorable, but sending his four child soldiers after this guy. I don't know. But Hashtag like, Splinter 2012. But I don't even see those as criticisms. This is just like part of what I enjoy about the story. Like some of the hokiness, some of the cheesiness, but it's it's all done with this overtone of of feeling serious like it never it never feels as silly as you think it should i guess i guess like if you just describe this to someone it sounds like the most silly thing ever but because of the art because of the way they tell a story it does have a serious overtone and it does have because there is a lot of violence like like more violence than you would normally see in in this type of book so i think the level of violence and the grittiness of it brings the tone around enough uh you know centers it enough that it doesn't it never really feels silly which is really impressive it's really impressive you could have a story about talking ninja turtles and a giant rat and it never feels of course it's silly but it never feels as silly as you you think it should because they do such a good job uh with the story and and with laying it all out and man for a first go again how can i go again these aren't perfect so fives would be going too far but 4.5 4.5 feels just about right. So I'm going to agree with you, Remzo. I'm giving this puppy a 9 out of 10. That It's a total SPC score of 18. That is in the upper echelon, I would say, of, of oh, stories yeah. we recommend. Yeah. 
I mean, this is this is definitely one of those things where it's like, you know, there are many there are many different facets of comic book history. And this is what I love about the indie phase. This is why we love Image. This is why we love Dark Horse. This is why we love seeing people come out of the big two, because this is where you get to see fans be the best versions of themselves and create something that they probably wouldn't have gotten the permission to create if they had gone through a traditional editor. I mean, I can't imagine, um, you know, a, a Jim Shooter at Marvel or a Denny O'Neill at DC ever approving this book. No, no, this would this would be laughed away from from uh, the desk of any editor at, at a major uh, comic book publication. Maybe rightfully so. Like, I, I, I would laugh at this if it came across my desk, too. It seems so silly. But they pull it off. And uh, obviously, I, I think, you know, the concept kind of fits for cartoons and that sort of thing. So it worked out that it did catch the attention of, uh, you know, of these major corporations and Hasbro and, you know, whatever. But to me, that well, it's sad that that's not that much of a bonus for Eastman and Laird. So I've learned more about about how how they've been screwed. I hope they're getting I hope they're making some money on this or something. But uh, uh, but nonetheless, it, it's just it's. It's incredible of what it became, and and this, I think it's always been associated as like this kids thing. Fair enough, because they're big talking turtles. But to do it, it, to to look at all that, you can almost forget that there was some serious a serious comic here. And this comic, uh, you know, they didn't plan on a second issue, so like they actually ended up having to do like three reprints of the first issue because it was so popular, and they they had to put some cla- they used like a lot of the money, like the last of their money, on this classified ad in, in like one ma- comic magazine, and pretty much all their sales were through there. So like they they if they didn't do that ad, this never would have happened. It just all it just all worked out. Uh, but then because the, the the book started to pick up some word of mouth, and um, it they started getting requests from stores, so they and requests for more printing. So like they did like a second printing, second print comics, a third printing, etc. And eventually. That after after long enough of people asking for the second that more of those number ones, they're like, so when's issue two coming out? And they're like, issue two. Well, we we never thought about an issue two. So then they're like, well, I guess we're gonna do an issue two. Um, so that you know that that's pretty much how it became an ongoing series uh, for some time. So I'm already on issue four. I've kept going. I'm gonna get through this run. Maybe I'll maybe this will be a, a case of the runs, a bonus episode behind the paywall. Dude, you have to go on Netflix and watch the toys that made us and check out the Teenage okay. Mutant Ninja Turtle episode. You will have such a deeper appreciation for due this to the serious right tone now. in your voice. I will I will do that one of these days. Here. It's a must see. No, like I recommend. Like if I never recommend homework to people because i don't want to be that guy i'm the fun one but if you're gonna do any additional homework on this definitely go see that it's on netflix it's i think one of the first couple episodes they do for the toys that made us it's it's awesome uh you'll have such a nostalgia trip seeing so much of the stuff in that episode and all the episodes it's one of my favorite series on netflix but that episode specifically is probably my favorite all right. Well, check that out and uh, check out more from SPC by hitting that subscribe button. We have a large archive over 100 episodes. And of course, we also have the newsroom every single Friday. This week, we'll be looking at all of the news and everything that came out of San Diego Comic Con last week. So uh, we'll be doing that on Friday. Ramzo, any last words before we sign off? Remember, folks, if you love pizza, if you love living in the sewer, You might not be a turtle. You might actually be suffering from the repercussions of the upcoming recession. But that's neither here nor there. There's one thing you could do. It's read comics and change the world. Good night, America. Adios. Go ninja, go ninja, go. Go ninja, go ninja, go. Go ninja, go ninja, go. Go, 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 go. Gonna rock the town without being seen Have you ever seen a turtle get, get down? down? Slamming and jamming to the new swing sound Yeah, everybody let's move Vanilla is here with a new jack groove Gonna rock and roll the place With the power of the ninja turtle face Iceman, you know I'm not playing Devastate the show what the turtles are saying Ninja, ninja, rap Ninja, ninja, rap Ninja, ninja, rap Rap. Just feel it. 
ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done